Hello, and welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message. Amazing with all that's going on. And um, I mean, you look at the hotspots in the world that's going on with China threatening things. You got Russia and then you got the whole Middle East situation. And, and you have three major hotspots that could cause like World War III, honestly. And then the powder keg of the Middle East. And, and uh, the latest I saw that is that Israel is going into Gaza, but they're doing uh, really, uh, you know, not a mass uh, invasion, but just small uh, precision targeting invasion uh, types of tactics right now. Um, we'll see how that transpires. Again, we, uh, it, it, there was a delay. Obviously, the United States delayed Israel uh, from going in there. Um, we've got our warships there in the Mediterranean, and um, Iran has threatened that you know that if if you know Israel deals uh, deals decisively with Hamas. Then Hezbollah, they'll use Hezbollah to attack. And, and so it's a powder cake, man. And so we're going to continue to watch this thing develop and pray for Israel and, and their protection, pray for their salvation, obviously. You know, the interesting thing is I heard a lot of the IDF soldiers are coming to faith in the Lord through all this. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Awesome. And you wouldn't think, but, but what's happening is it's, it's the whole world is being rocked, and they're like, what's going on? And so it's, it's opening hearts up uh, to the gospel, especially among the, the Israelites, obviously. So that's a good thing, obviously. But um, it's funny that we're here in Genesis 25, and, uh, you know, like I've told you guys before, when I, when I was in Daniel, I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to teach next? And he led me, go teach the patriarchs, basically. And, um, and now I, I, I totally understand why he said that, because we're studying the Abrahamic covenant, we're studying uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, uh, and then eventually, you know, how this goes into Israel's history. And it's like every time I get to a certain passage, I'm like, wow, that totally applies with what's going on today. Uh, and you can see how God's providence has led us to, to understand this whole dilemma. And this passage, this is interesting, I was looking at this passage this week, and it's about the death of Abraham and him passing the torch on to Isaac, but then it's about Abraham, before he dies, settling his affairs with his other children from the concubines, the Keturah and Ishmael, and sending them away, sending them eastward and separating them from Isaac to protect him. And, uh, and this is a passage, I was reading some old commentaries about this passage, and the commentaries were like, well, you know, this is the typical passage that these pastors skip because it's not, it's not relevant. And I'm like, oh, no. I was reading it, and I'm like, dude, I'm living it. We're seeing it right in front of us. And when I, when I show you the passage, you're like, oh, man. Uh, it, so I want to tell you, I wasn't cherry-picking this. I'm going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and these things just keep popping up because we're dealing with the Abrahamic covenant, which means you're going to deal with the Jewish people. And so um, the title is Abraham's Separation of the Jews and Their Land from the Arab People. I mean, wow, you can't get more relevant than that. That's what's happening in the story. So hang on to your hats. We've got a lot to cover. I've got a lot of things to show you. So buckle up. Abraham, again, took his wife, and, his, and her name was Keturah. Now, apparently, Sarah, we obviously know he has, she has died. So, again, I think this is a mistake uh, because of the problem that it caused. So, just like he went to Hagar and had Ishmael, uh, he goes to Keturah after Sarah dies and has children with her. Well... Here are the names. And again, you might say, well, what is the big deal? Brandon and I don't care from Zimran, Jokshan, Midian, Midian, Ishbak, all that, and Shua. You know, what's that? It could, it, to me, Brandon, it could be Billy Bob and Jed and, and who knows. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Because I'll show you in something, something just a bit. So in verse 3, Jokshan begot Sheba and Dedan. And the sons of Dedan were Asherim, Latashim, Lehamamim. And the sons of Midian were Ephah, Ephor, Hanok, Abda, Elda. All these were the children of Keturah. 
And guess what? Here they are. Does that make sense now? This is where they settled. Now, they were born to Abraham, but this is where they settled. This is the, obviously, Middle East. This is, obviously, most of them live in the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. Okay, so this is the first map I'm going to show you. Do you see the problem that it sets up? So what you're dealing with is not, we're going to deal with the, Ish, the, the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Keturah, which turn into the Arab people, okay, that are surrounding the little nation of Israel, okay? So that's why it's so relevant. And I want you to see what happens here, okay? And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. Now, what is significant about that? It is showing you that it's through Isaac only that the Abrahamic promise will pass through. So Isaac will carry the covenant, and then he'll pass it on to Jacob, and then the 12 tribes of Israel, and so forth, and produce the Jewish Messiah. But notice out of all those kids, it only goes through Isaac, because God told him it's going to go through Isaac. Isaac will be the one. And therefore, the point is, it is through Isaac and his descendants, the Jews, in which will carry the Abrahamic covenant and produce the Jewish Messiah. No one else. Now, let me make the qualifier. The exclusion of all of Abraham's kids does not mean they're excluded from salvation. Please understand that. They're excluded from the benefits of carrying the Abrahamic covenant. Can any Gentile, Arab or German or Hispanic or, you know, Japanese benefit from the Abrahamic covenant? Of course. You get into the Abrahamic covenant by faith in the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, and you're incorporated and grafted into the Abrahamic covenant. You're not a taker over, but you're a partaker. And that's how the, the, the Abrahamic covenant is to bless people. But the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant for those who carry it, the Jewish people, Get the land of Israel. Get, get those types of material blessings, and it's not afforded to anyone else other than those who carry the covenant. Okay, so this is a big deal. It's separating out Isaac for that purpose. What's the principle? Well, the principle is this. You're seeing the responsibility of Abraham realizing he's going to die, and he's, he's, he's older than age. He's about 175 and he's going to pass the baton of faith on to Isaac, okay? And what Abraham is ensuring is that Isaac understands the Abrahamic covenant and how to follow it and how to, to tarry it as he did, okay? So that's the responsibility. So the responsibility, we, we, the principle is that not only do we have a responsibility to our culture, about telling the truth about things and the Abrahamic covenant in specific, but we also have a, 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 a responsibility to the younger generation, and this has been the problem. The younger generation hasn't been taught properly, and it's the, it's the, 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 the Laodicean parents, the Laodicean Christians that have failed to teach the younger generation. What do you mean? Well, a lot of the, the Christian parents of Laodicea, remember, I'm making a contrast between Laodicea and, Rem, and remnant Philadelphia. Philadelphia always does what they need to do. Always. You can always count on a Philadelphia believer to pass the baton of the faith of their kids, and they do what they needed to do. But Laodicea doesn't. Laodicea says, well, you know, I really don't want to force uh, uh, church on my kids, and I'm going to let them make their decisions for the Lord, and, you know, I don't want to pressure them. What are you, crazy? You're told to raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We don't, don't let them go and let them make decisions, become a Buddhist, or, no, 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 no. You have a responsibility. And what happens in America is the Laodicean parents allow this to happen, and guess who educated their kids? The public schools and the colleges and universities, which we shouldn't be shocked about the results that we're getting and why so many parents are saying, I don't understand why my kid thinks the way they do. Well, I don't understand why my kid supports Hamas and why my kid supports 52 genders and why my kid supports gay marriage because you gave them over to the culture, that's why, to race. That's been the problem. So it's a, a responsibility now, I know I'm speaking to the choir because I know you're doing what your, your job is to do, but you're the Philadelphia element versus the, the Laodicean element, okay? Now, here's an example. 
of the lack of responsibility parents have been doing in our country and the Western world. Because parents want to be so woke and inclusive, we have done that to our own detriment. We have sliced our own throats. Here's an example of it. Volume, guys. Positively, uh, like you're in an Arab country, and they're experiencing some of those uh, wonderful things with the Palestinian protests that are happening, and people are doing things. Um, let me let me just show you. Here's one woman tearing down missing posters. So these are these are people that were over in. Um, Israel and they've gone missing and so their family puts out posters have you seen this person this is in London watch what happens okay so uh, you know while she's doing that she's nicely saying Israel, which I think is beautiful. I think that's what the Lord would have us do. Um, here it is again. This one's from Manchester in uh, the United Kingdom. Well, well, why did Somebody else. Yeah, if it was your sister or your daughter or one of your brother, will you take it out as well? Yeah, yeah, 35 years. If you will be in Gaza, you probably will not be allowed to wear these trousers. They probably they will kill you as well. Oh, yeah, you're all hypocrite. That's why you're using the democracy against the people. Shame on you. Yeah. I mean, who does this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, go on, go on. you know, it's one thing to go into a house and kill children and kidnap people. That's bad enough. But that's a terrorist. Who then goes on the street in a country that has accepted you? Um, and tear down the missing posters of loved ones. What kind of monster do you have to be? Can you imagine if after the World Trade Center, those missing posters were everywhere. Can you imagine if, if some Middle Eastern people were there just tearing all of them down? What would, what? Uh, here they are again, caught tearing, uh, tearing down two women. Why don't you do something for This is, this is um, not sustainable. You cannot have a society that doesn't have uh, its roots in common decency. We don't have decency in common here. You cannot, you cannot have a culture of life and a culture of death side by side. Now that's England, so you may think, oh, no big deal. Colleges are protesting everywhere, right? In America, colleges are protesting everywhere. Marches are happening everywhere. Dearborn looks a little like uh, London at this point. But here is a pro-Palestinian march down the hallway of a high school in San Francisco. This is high school. Our children are being indoctrinated. They do not know how to look for truth. They don't know how to um, balance and, and ask uh, questions and question both sides and use critical thinking because those things are not being taught now. Instead, they're being taught to be activists. And whose fault is that? So it comes down to the responsibility of the parents. So again, this is what you're deriving, you seeing from Abraham to Isaac. Abraham made sure Isaac know what, knows what's going on here. And unfortunately, this hasn't happened. So you have all these colleges and universities supporting terrorists. West Coast, Mest Coast, that's right. UC Berkeley's extra credit for Nazis. UC Berkeley, at least one instructor is granting extra credit for marching for the Palestinian cause of extinguishing Jews. How is that person not fired? Who, who says, hey, go march for the extinguishing of a, of a, genocide, a genocide of a people group? 
Who stays employed? But this is fine at the universities, right? This is Tulane. Now think, this is happening across America. This should, this should shock us that this is going on. But this is Tulane. Pro-Hamas protester tries to set Israeli flag. This is what's going on. There's all the pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinians wearing their, their, their garb. That's our universities. How do we have students there that are pro-terrorists? They're, they're all right for killing people. What, what's going on here? Well, the Laodicean element of the church, which is supposed to be the backbone of the United States, has failed. So guess what? The burden to tell the truth and get the word out falls upon Philadelphia. You are the Philadelphia remnant. Laodicea right now is not even discussing this. You go to a Laodicean church, they have not talked about gay marriage, they have not talked about the 52 genders, they have not talked about Israel, they haven't made a peep about them. And they will not say anything. They want to pretend that the world is not caving in on itself and we're good and we're just gonna have, you're good, I'm good, and we're gonna just go have lunch. That's, that's the mentality. That mentality is what created the environment in America. A vacuum was created. We had Islamic immigration like there was no tomorrow. And because of that, they had infiltrated the colleges, universities, and the professors, along with the leftists. And here we are today with thousands of people supporting the killing of Jews. It's 1939. It is 1939. That's the reality. Now watch what Abraham does. But Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the, of the concubines, which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward, away from Isaac, his son, to the country of the east. That's pretty smart, based on what he knows about them. Now, here's the thing. He gave gifts to his sons of the concubines, which he had. You know what he's doing? It's kind of like what you do when you want to disinherit somebody in your will. You know what the lawyers tell you to do? Give them a dollar. You ever heard that? Okay, you give them a dollar so they can't contest the will. So in effect, what Abraham does is he gives gifts because they do not get the inheritance. Only Isaac does because the inheritance passes to the one who carries the Abrahamic covenant. And, uh, <clears throat> and so he gives them gifts so they can't contest the will, so they can't contest the inheritance, but he does it while he's still living. Why is that important? Because I can tell you on a practical level, Abraham knows if he doesn't settle the, the issue while he's living, that after he dies, there will be a war about it. So he's going to set the record straight with all his kids. This is how I want the inheritance. You guys get out of here, and Isaac will stay in the land. None of you are to stay in this land. I wish a lot of people would get their wills in order and then sit down with their kids and say, you know what, Billy, you're getting this. Tommy, you're getting this, and Susan, you're getting this. Do you have a problem? Because I'm the one making the decision. When people don't get their affairs in order, and then they die and leave it for their kids to figure out, shame on them. Because Abraham did it while he was alive. He knew there would be a fight. He knew there would be a problem. So what does he do? I'm squaring everyone up. Get out. You people are out of control. And how do we do it? How do we see it? He sends them east. Get out of the land. So what's the principle? The principle is separation from those or things or environments that threaten God's work. 
and Keturah's kids threatened God's work along with Ishmael's kids. So he gets them out of the land. He knew there would be a problem because of what is prophesied. Application. What we're to do is to follow the same principle. Anything that threatens the work of God, we are to separate from. Whether that's a person, whether that's a thing, whether that's an environment. And right now, we got people that are threatening God's work with not only Israel, but with the church. We got leftism, we got Islamicism, all of that. And here's the thing. I am not discussing the gospel. The gospel goes out to everybody. That's part of the blessing aspect of the Abrahamic covenant. No doubt about that. But you start killing people, then justice needs to be served to you. Justice should come to you in the way the world works. We would hope, but it's not. But anyway, we separate from that which causes problems. We separate. Like Glenn Beck said, and I agree, even though he's a Mormon, he still gets some common sense. How do you live with a culture of death, people, versus a culture of life? How does a civilization survive? You don't. That's the point. So when we're talking about civilizations, again, I'm not talking about the gospel. I'm talking about a civilization. How do you have civilizations where one person thinks that genocide is okay? I'm sorry, I can't live with you. And I don't want you here in my country either. I think these people need to be deported out if you have that mentality. You're a Nazi. And again, the, the Christianity doesn't help. And I know that we're not Catholic or anything, but the biggest leader of Christendom, the Pope, is some crazy woke guy. What in the world? Who's following this guy? I want to tell the two, two billion Catholics, hey, you got a clue about this guy? He, he's putting his resume in for the false prophet. Did you know that, so to speak? And then we have other things that are threatening our society. So Google invests $2 billion in AI, and CEO admits that, oh, we have a one in four chance of destroying humanity. <laughs> what? Yeah, let's take that risk. What are you, crazy? Yeah, they are. Or how about this? The death cult of climate change, right? The death cult. Uh, you'll, you will drive nowhere and like it. They don't want you driving. Imagine trying to function in Bakersfield without a car. Right? Oh, you can ride a bike to the mall. Go ahead, ride your bike. What? You can ride your bi bi bike. You got to get your, you know, uh, your bike worked on. Yeah, I know it's across town, but you got to drive, uh, drive your bike or uh, ride your bike. What? That's a death cult. It'll destroy civilization. But let's go back to what's, mo what's more important about destroying civilization is this mentality. This is an Islamic woman and this is the, the mentality, I'm telling you, that has to be thwarted. Hamas is not a terrorist group. Oh, it isn't, ma'am. First of all, Hamas is not okay. a terrorist group. Hamas is not a terrorist group. What is it, like a motorcycle club? Or? It is a resistance that has been fuming for 75 years of colonialism, of occupation, of murder, of rape, of little children, of women. Okay, That's what they are. They are a resistance. Do you think Canada is a colonialist country, too? Everything or? that they do is justified. Including what happened last week? Every single thing they have done is justified. Oh, Ma'am, there were children murdered, there were babies beheaded. Oh. Babies beheaded, really. Please educate yourself. Well, please, please check the news, okay. because as, as a news reporter, you gotta check the news, okay. because they said that that was fake, okay? Multiple times, different channels, different, even Biden himself, his, his ministers and his idiots said himself that that news was fake. So, There's no 40 behead, beheaded babies. And there you were no, no 1,300 deaths no in Israel? Evidence. There's no evidence. There's no photos whatsoever. Hamas is a Muslim, a Muslim group. They would never do that because it's against Islam. That's number one. And that's something that they showed. <laughs> do you really believe evidence. that? There is evidence of Israeli women saying that they gave us water. They gave us food. They gave us a, a place to, to, to sleep comfortably. They gave us clothes. They got them to cover up out of respect. This is actual women having interviews, talking about when they were hostages or when they were taking in, sorry, when, when Hamas members were, were coming into their house. These are actual Israeli women saying this is how they were. Even at some point, a Hamas fighter told, told one of the women, 
can I have a banana to eat? He asked if he could eat a banana that was in her home. Does that sound like a terrorist to you? How do you have a person in your society that's like that? That person needs to be deported. Exactly. That's crazy. That, I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's demonic. You, you are ignoring. I saw the beheaded babies. I saw the burnt bodies. I saw children burned together, huddled together, burned alive. What is she talking about? I'm sorry. I can't live with a person like that. You're too demonic. And your demonic religion is causing this problem. Hey, Hamas sympathize. Israel identifies terrorist base under the Gaza hospital. Does that, does, that, does that even ring a bell to anyone in the Islamic world? They don't care. They're using their own people as human shields. IDF, a witness confirmed Hamas beheaded baby. And they beheaded a lot of babies. In fact, a lot of the heads were blown off, by the way, just to, be, just to tell you the truth about what's going on. They gutted pregnant women and then took the baby out and killed the baby in front of the woman. They gutted them. These are savages. These are demonic savages. And yet we have people supporting this? Hey, man, I'm sorry. You have that mentality. I, 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 you're going to destroy our civilization. We can't tolerate that. The problem is we have bought into this wokeism, but we've got to intolerate. We have tolerated a satanic religion coming into our country, coming into Western civilization, and producing this in our own country. Jews all over America are being cautioned to stay barricaded inside their own homes. What? This is America. We don't tell anybody you need to stay home because you could be hurt. What's the problem here? Where's the law enforcement? What's going on? What is this, 1939? Look at it, what's happening in, all over Europe. In Europe, as you know, the Muslims have taken over all of Europe. Police clash with anti-Israel activists and, and, and you'll, I'll show you some videos, but look at the Eiffel Tower, Palestinian flag. So here's the peaceful people that support Hamas. They're very peaceful, as you can tell. Look how peaceful they are. Wow. It takes a whole riot police to, to back them all off from rioting Paris. And you know, there's only a couple dozen, of course. It's just a couple dozen instigators. Yeah, we need, you know, riot gear because of peaceful people. Very peaceful. Wow. London. We ought to call London Londanistan, okay, for what's happened over there. And again, what is this all about? Unmitigated migra immigration, illegal sometimes, coming into these Western societies with Islam destroying the culture and not assimilating, not being forced to assimilate, and bring in their Sharia law and all their other garbage about wanting to kill Jews. Should we be shocked? No. Listen to them. You know what intifada is? You should might as well, let's bring in the, the, the Russian term, pogrom. Exterminate the Jews. Get rid of them. Have a, you know, get them out of there. And then here are some uh, some Britainish, uh, sorry, Britain people uh, uh, fighting with the Hamas people in London. There you go. Now, people say, well, Brandon, this is not a lot of people. It's just, just a few dozen, maybe a few hundred. Look at London. Get a good look at this. It ain't a couple hundred. It's thousands upon thousands that hate Israel, that want to wipe the Jews out. It's thousands upon thousands. Get a good look at that. That's what we're talking about. This is no joke. This is not some two, two kids saying down with the UN. This is masses and masses of anti-Semitic people that want to eliminate the Jews. Get a good look at that. 
Yeah, they're all young. If you notice the age, they're all young. And what does that mean? They're impre- they, they, they were brainwashed, right? Look at Turkey. You, you shouldn't expect anything different. But Erdogan is challenging the West. He said, you know, you want to create another crusader war. I'm sorry. You guys are the ones who are striking first. You are the ones who are actually bringing it on. You're the one who wants to introduce the 12th imam, you bunch of 12ers. That's all that you want. You want to introduce chaos so you can bring in the 12th imam, which is our antichrist. Oh, it's not happening in America, Brandon. You know, you know, you're making things up. This is Brooklyn. New York has a high concentration of Jews. Check how long the line is of anti-Jewish people in Brooklyn. I'll just let it run. And it keeps going and going. Did you know that there there was that many people in America that hate Jews? Did you know that? That support Hamas? Keep going. There's no end in sight. Granted, it was just a couple dozen. Where does it end? Where does it end? This is Brooklyn, USA. Keeps going. Where are all these people coming from? Look at the age. It, it just stops, and, and, and the line just keeps going. It's thousands upon thousands in America. We have a problem, don't we? Abraham knew he had a problem, too. This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people, and his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him. Now you think, what's the big deal? Okay, well, look at the last person. Ishmael is, is there when he's buried. Why? Because Ishmael was already predicted that he, would be, he wouldn't have a nation, but he would live in the presence of Israel. He would live right next to them and border on the country, and that's exactly what you see here in the picture. How, if, he was to, if he was to expand out and go into other parts of the world, he didn't. He always stayed next to them. And that's what the Arab people do. They stay around Israel. Because why? Spiritual jealousy and they wanting their land. So Ishmael is there when they bury Abraham. Okay. And where did they bury Abraham? In the cave of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite the field of which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried and Sarah his wife. We, and like we talked about a couple weeks ago, why is this significant? It's the first piece of property that Abraham purchased in the promised land. Why? He was setting the groundwork. He was staking the ground saying, I believe that one day, even though the promises God gave me will not come true in my life, that he will resurrect me and they will come true and I will experience the full boundaries of the land. So the burial of Sarah and now him and then all the patriarchs will be buried here is significant in basically the Jewish stake in the ground saying this is our land that God promised us. No one else's. And like I showed you, there's a mosque over there. Uh, it's in uh, the, 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 the city of Hebron. And you can see that's the West Bank, but really it's Judea and Samaria. And it's very, it's very difficult for Jewish people to get in there and, and go to the gravesite there in Hebron. But nonetheless, what is the point? It shows you the land belongs to Abraham. These are the ancestors of the Jews. That's the claim, Right? And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. And Isaac dwelt in Be'er Lahai Roi. And and what is this idea of God blessed his son Abraham? It's not just a general blessing. This is the Abrahamic blessing. Okay? So Abraham was blessed. Now it's it's transferring to Isaac who's going to carry it. And God is blessing him. 
and then we'll continue to bless Jacob, and then bless Israel, and so forth. And that's how the blessing is passed. It's the Abrahamic blessing. And I said again, what is God showing you in the text? What is Moses writing? That the blessing is going through Isaac, not Ishmael, or any other of the sons of Abraham. Why is that important? The Muslim con uh, that, that contests this says, no, it should go through Ishmael. The Muslim is contesting that it wasn't Abraham that took Isaac to sacrifice. The Muslim is saying, no, Abraham took Ishmael to sacrifice. So the contention is always this. But as you're seeing, Moses is laying the groundwork of what Abraham did to ensure that there isn't an argumentation, that this was done for Isaac and no one else. It's for him only. But again, people don't believe the Bible. Okay, you don't believe God then. But what's the principle for all of us? Here's what you're seeing. That Abraham's passing off the scene it's moving to Isaac, and then he'll move to Jacob. What's the point? Any servant of God is not indispensable. Only the Messiah is indispensable. But any of us, a servant of God, is, is, is not indispensable. And therefore, God's plans and his purposes go beyond the single individual. They go beyond Abraham, right? Um, and, and, and so we acknowledge that, that, that God doesn't basically base everything on us. But here's the application, though. God invites us to join him in his plans and purposes. And, and he invites us to be a part of this agenda that he has, and, and, and therefore, you have a choice of whether or not you're going to get involved in this. And I can tell you right now, based on talking to people around the nation, talking to other guys that are in the, the, the same field that we're in, the churches and the Christians, many of them are sitting this one out. They're not saying a word. They're not getting involved. Why would I think they're getting involved? They can't, if, they can't, if they can't defend traditional marriage, if they can't defend two genders, why would I think they can defend Israel? I mean, come on. I mean, it's for the lesser to the greater. And, and so... But God is saying, who will go for me? Who will stand up? Who will give the right information? He's asking all of us. I hope you take that invitation. He wants you to help. He doesn't need us, but he invites us. Now, an example I'm going to give you is what Mordecai told Esther. And again, the situation was very similar to today. We had the Persian Empire wanting to wipe out every jewel in the Persian Empire. They faced extermination, right? And right now, Israel, all the whole world is looking at them, wanting to exterminate them, for goodness sakes. So it's kind of similar. So Esther, as you know, is Jewish. She gets into the harem. She gets picked to be the replacement for Vashti, and she becomes queen in the Persian Empire. But yes, she's Jewish. And so Mordecai's been saying, look, man, this evil Haman put out an edict and had your, your king put out an extermination edict that every Jew on the, uh, uh, in the Persian Empire is going to be killed. Esther, will you do something? And Esther kind of hem-haws around. Well, you know, I, I haven't been asked to come in to see the king, and, and you know how it is. You know, I just can't walk in there. I could be killed. And she starts making excuses of why she can't participate to Mordecai. And Mordecai raised her, by the way. And that's the same thing you're hearing from the churches today. Well, we don't want to get political. We don't want to be divisive. We don't, wait, what? Esther was looking for moral neutrality. I'm sorry, it doesn't exist. There is no neutrality. You're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of light. Take your pick. But there is no middle road that you can be safe in. And that's what Esther was trying to do. And Mordecai said, snap out of it. And then he says this, do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. Esther, you're Jewish. If he kills all the Jews, that means he's gonna kill you. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place because he's not dependent on anybody. If you, I invite you, Esther, to take, a, take your stand, but if you don't, I will raise someone else to defend the Jews. But you and your father's house will perish. So there's no neutral ground. You either stand up, Esther, or not, 
And if you don't, he'll give it to someone else. He'll give someone else the opportunity. And that's what he's saying to us. He invites us to take a stand for the truth right now on all these issues, whether it's Israel, 52 genders, gay marriage, whatever, wokeism, globalism, whatever. Will you take a stand? And if you say, no, I don't want, I, I, I don't want to pay the price, then fine. He says, okay, will you take a stand? He'll find someone else, guaranteed, who will say, I will go. I hope that's your hand standing up saying, Lord, I'll do it. I'll be the one to carry it. Because look what she says. He goes, or he tells her, yet who knows whether you have come to the, for the, to the kingdom for such a time as this. So here's the point. Why do you live in the period of time that you live in? Why does all your life uh, been situated to be at this very moment and watching what's happening? Because you were, you were called to such a time as this. This is your time. This is your time to stand up. It's not another generation's time. Their generation's the past. It's not a future generation. It's your time. It's my time. Are we going to be the people who, who stand on the right side of history with God or not? Because we already know what we call people who, who in Germany tried to take a stance of neutrality. They were cowards. And they got taken by the Nazi regime also. And look what she says. And so I will go to the king which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Good for Esther. But here's the thing. If you're going to take your stand, you've got to be willing to pay the costs. And there are costs. It's going to be very hard to take your stand against this crazy world. But you've got to be like Esther. Well, it is what it is. If I perish, I perish. Whatever consequences come, so be it. That's the invitation God hangs out for you. Now, let's go back to this. Now, this is the genealogy of Ishmael. Remember, Ishmael was prophesied to have 12 princes. The princes are this. Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian Sarah, made servant, bore to Abraham. And these were the names of the sons of Ishmael by the names according to their generations. The firstborn of Ishmael, Nebahoth, then Kadar, Adbiel, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadar, Tima, Jetur, Nafish, and Kadima. These were the sons of Ishmael, and these were their names by their towns and their settlements, 12 princes according to the nations. What does that mean? It means this. And then in verse 18, they, all those 12 sons, dwelt from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt, as you go towards Assyria. So then he, basically Moses then outlines the, where they will settle. And you see the two yellow lines I made on your map? The yellow line is from the, the, the Euphrates River that goes through the Fertile Crescent all the way to the Red Sea. And you can see this includes the majority of the Arabian Peninsula, but basically the, the, the Middle East. Not the entire Middle East, but most of it. And these are the descendants of Ishmael. Remember I showed you two maps. Where did, they all, where did Keturah's family settle? And where did Ishmael settle? All right here. And they intermarried, okay? They intermarried. And here's what you'll find in, print, in, in Scripture. The closer they are to the Jewish people genealog genealogically, the more hostility they actually have towards Israel. And there's a reason for that. Now, they've spread out, obviously, beyond the Saudi Arabian uh, Peninsula, and, they're all, and, and Israel is surrounded by them. And unfortunately, they have been, because of my uh, immigration, come into Western society. So we have a problem all over the place. Now it says, these were the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years, and he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. And you're like, okay. But the next passage is most important. Verse 18. Now, I typically use a New King James because I think it's a better translation, but in this case, the New King James gets it wrong. The New King James says he died in the presence of all his brethren. That is a horrible translation of the Hebrew. So let's eliminate that. The NSAB and the ESV and the RSV actually get the translation better in the Hebrew. And as you can read the, what it says in the NSB, he settled in defiance of all his relatives. Or in the ESV, he settled over and against all his kinsmen. In RSV, he settled over and against all his people. What does that mean? Well, 
the relatives and kinsmen and the people are a reference to Israel. And what he is saying is, is, is a double, it's a double meaning here in the Hebrew in the fact that he settled in the presence of the, the Jewish people, which, which again was predicted he would live side by side next to them, but the nafal in the Hebrew is that he falls upon them in violence, that they, 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 they settled in defiance of Israel, over and against Israel, against the people of Israel. That's what the, the Hebrew is trying to say. Well, for goodness sake, now you understand why Abraham said, go east, get out of the country, because they are, they are doing exactly what was predicted. And what was predicted is Genesis 16. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. There it is. It's a fulfillment of that and a continuation of that. So you shouldn't be shocked of seeing Hamas want to kill the Jews or Hezbollah or Iran or any of these, these countries. They are following their father's footsteps. Huh. And top it off, Islam helps the thing. Hamas doesn't hate Jews because they are colonists, but because Allah tells them to. I don't know any religion on the planet, any false religion on the planet, that tells people to exterminate other people. I don't know how that's allowed to be tolerated. I, I mean, Buddhists don't do this, uh, Hindus, none of the false religions say that except Islam. And yet, the left tolerates Islam. I wonder why. Hmm. Nine-year-old Jewish boy threatened with a knife on Brooklyn playground. I will kill you, Jew. Wait, wait, excuse me. This is 2023? I thought this was 1939 based on what I've seen here. Muslim New York street vendors expressed near universal support for Hamas. Of course. I, remember the, the woman in Canada told us that Islam doesn't, doesn't, pra, uh, tolerate, uh, doesn't practice wanting to kill people, right? She, uh, do I believe her or do I believe what I'm seeing on the ground? Now, here's a guy that was raised in the Palestinian Gaza area. He was on Israeli TV. And he has, he has actually been in, uh, he converted to Judaism. And he explains how he grew up. Listen to him. Now, here's another Palestinian. I'm sure he doesn't support Hamas. I mean, he, just, he doesn't want Hamas in his land, does he? Now he's going to get attacked by the IDF, so watch what happens. So big, brave guy, you know, but all of a sudden the IDF comes after him and he's crying like a baby. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Now, again, people will say, well, Brandon, you didn't understand that, you know, they don't teach their kids to be terrorists. This is just Hamas and this is separate from what's going on. Oh, really? Let's listen to what they teach the kids. They gained power by the people that Israel is currently warning of attacks. The civilians of Gaza handed the Hamas terror group power. Now, here's a video during the attack. These are just civilians walking into Israel, cheering as the Jews are getting slaughtered. Many of these same civilians are probably following an IDF leaflet to safety today. Meanwhile, this is what they teach their children in schools. <laughs> I mean, what? What? 
Where is this coming from? Spiritual resentment. It's hatred that's passed on from one generation to the next due to the Abrahamic covenant. Going through Isaac. That's what you're, you're studying. It's going through Isaac, not other people, and there's a spiritual jealousy there. That's what you saw with Cain and Abel. Cain uh, wanted to, to not do what God said and go through uh, blood sacrifice like Abel was doing and wanted to bring his own works, and it was rejected. And this is what happens to anybody. They will not go through the way God set things up for salvation. God has set the salvation up through the Jewish people, through the Jewish Messiah. You must go through the Jewish Messiah. End of story. And, and think about this. The gates of heaven, there are 12 gates. You're not getting in New Jerusalem until you go through the gate and you see above the, na uh, the name of every tribe of Israel on the gates of the New Jerusalem. Why did God do that? Because salvation is of the Jews, as Scripture says. So if you're going to say, I'm going to bypass God's Abrahamic covenant, you're going to find yourself, like Cain, getting mad at God because he rejects your offering, and then you taking it out on those who have went his way. Now, there is where the spiritual jealousy comes from. It's refusal to go the way God said. And so the closer they are in their genealogy to the Jewish people, the Arabs or whoever, get spiritually jealous of, of the Jews. That's why, that's why you see this. Now, that's another thing too is obviously satanic, and I've talked about that. Satan is trying to eliminate the Jews to prevent the second coming and to prevent God from uh, keeping his promises to the Jewish people through the Abrahamic covenant. We know that. Okay. But let me give you an application of how to, how to, how to what are we supposed to do with all this information? Well, here, here you go. If you go back to Genesis 15, this is where the Abrahamic covenant was made between God and Abraham. Now, if you recall... Abraham was instructed to split the sacrifices in half, remember, and flay them out on the side, and then the blood would run through the little gully. If you remember, God put Abraham to sleep, and God personally walked through the blood between the sacrifices because it's a unilateral covenant, and God would make good despite the Jewish people, that he's going to bring the Messiah through the Jewish people despite their behavior. It's a unilateral covenant. Okay. While he does this, Abraham has to wait till dusk because this will happen in the evening. But all day long as he did the sacrifice, Abraham has to stay there and fight off vultures all day long until God is ready to walk through. So this, this picture of him fighting off vultures all the time. Well, this is where you're going to derive your application. The application on this is understand that the vultures represent something. And, 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 and yes, there's your real vultures that try to obviously get the carcasses, right? This is the carcasses and the vultures would come. But it means something more. It means that once God makes this covenant with Abraham, the spiritual vultures will come to try to dismantle it and take it apart and, care, and, and attack the carcasses. And so when, when you see this in the Old Testament, You'll see references to storks and, and unclean birds, uh, ravens, and other things like that are non-kosher. Many times those passages actually point beyond themselves and point to the satanic realm, the demonic realm. Unclean birds is what the, the idea is. So... What, what Abraham was fighting is not only literal vultures, but the spiritual vultures of the, the whole demonic realm coming against what God was doing and trying to eliminate and attack the carcasses. The carcass represents the Abrahamic covenant, but the people of the Abrahamic covenant. How do I know this? Let me show you a secret that only people who understand Messiah get. This is in the Olivet Discourse. This is Matthew 24. And he was given a clue to his disciples in a public discourse on the Mount of Olives about his coming, the second coming, not the rapture. The rapture is for the church. The second coming is for Israel. 
Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. He's telling Israel this. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Again, telling Israel. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be, uh, will be the coming of the Son of Man. Okay, second coming. Look at the last phrase. For wherever the carcass is, there the vultures will be gathered together. Did you catch it? It's a reference back to Genesis 15. But again, who is he talking about? He's basically saying, look, if you want to know where I'm coming back to and what I'm coming back for, you will find me where the carcass is. And there where the carcass is, the demonic and spiritual satanic realm will be there to attack the carcass. What is he referring to? It's Israel. Where Israel is at is where I'm going. And the vultures will be there to attack her because of the Abrahamic covenant made to Israel. And so the vultures will be attacking her. That's where I will be at the second coming. Rescuing the carcass. Rescuing Israel for the sake of Abraham. There's the connection. Okay, so then what is the application then? Well, the, it's to drive the vultures away from the Abrahamic covenant. That's what Abraham did the whole day. He was hitting away the vultures, beating them down, fighting them from not taking the carcass, not attacking the carcass, because the carcass has to be preserved for the promises of God to come to fruition. So what does that mean? It means this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. How are we going to fight this war that's going on in the culture? How are you going to deal with Islam? How are you going to deal with the leftism? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For what? For pulling down strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is in someone's head thinking Islam is a religion of peace. Excuse me. That has to be pulling down. A stronghold is someone saying, there's 52 genders. Pull that one down. How do you pull that down? With truth. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts himself against the knowledge of God. Casting down arguments? Yeah, the argument that Israel is an occupier. That Israel is an apartheid state. You have to cast that argument down. Or whatever. Or gay marriage. Or whatever the issue might be. Because it exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You have just studied the knowledge of God. God has told you the land belongs to the Jews. It went through Isaac. That's the knowledge of God. Or that God created male and female, right? That's the knowledge of God. You have a responsibility to cast those down. Bringing every thought into captivity. What thought? Well, how about, how about this? Uh, the, uh, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ People want globalism instead of nationalism. You have, to, you have to take that thought captive. That's wrong. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Well, what is that? That has to do with church discipline. What do you mean? Well, to the church growth experts, to the seeker-friendly movement, let me explain to them, not you, because you get this, what this verse means. It means if I become so woke that I tolerate every aberrant theological mindset that, allows, that I, we allow into the church, then my church will go woke and the church will cease to function as it should. So what I am supposed to do, uh, we as Rock Harbor are supposed to do, is punish all disobedience. What do you mean? We ex exercise church discipline on those who come here and say the opposite of what the Bible says. So you're here supporting Hamas, there's the door. If you're here supporting gay marriage, there's the door. If you're here saying there's 52 genders, there's the door. That's what that passage is meaning. Now, here's the thing. The churches are not going to do that. 
But I'm telling you, we're at war. He just told you right in the text we're at war. That's called fighting off the vultures. Because the vultures are coming. They're coming in your own personal life, and they're coming to the church. So the application is, you get your stick, like Abraham did, and you fight those vultures with truth. That's what wins the battle. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we can learn from Abraham's life. Amazing. Uh, we're living it. We're seeing it, Father. It can't be more relevant than what we're going through. Boy, Father, we need strength. We need courage to fight the vultures. Help us be equipped with the truth, to speak the truth in love, but to make sure we speak the truth and do not commit the sin of silence. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone here today that have come to faith in the Messiah, they would do so by simply believing in him. All they have to understand is that he di the, the Messiah died on a cross for their sins, was buried and rose on the third day to give everlasting life to anyone who believes. That's all they need to do. Speak to hearts, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.